This is a production of NTEU Chapter 49, representing most IRS employees in the state of Indiana. My name is Larry Lannon. I'm a volunteer with Chapter 49. I'm also a retiree. I'd like to welcome you to the Chapter 49 podcast. It's a weekly podcast, and uh, we appreciate you listening. I know that uh, many of you... Uh, uh, send out links to it, and we appreciate that. If you think there are people who might get something out of it, feel free to send a link. Or if you don't have one, or it's just difficult for you to do that, just go ahead and search uh, podcasts by Larry Lannon, L-A-N-N-A-N. We're on all the major uh, uh, parts of the uh, world of podcasting in terms of platforms. We're on Apple Podcasts, iTunes. Uh, we're on Spotify. Uh, we're on TuneIn and Stitcher, so we're on all these different platforms. Just, just uh, uh, all you have to do is is uh, go to Podcast by Larry Landon. You'll see a number of podcasts I produce. Just look for the Chapter Forty Nine podcast if that's what you're looking for. Uh, and today is we're getting toward the end of April, April twenty third, and uh, we welcome Duncan Giles, our Chapter Forty Nine president. And you know, Duncan, I just a few days ago I, I had to look at the calendar again. I had snow on my lawn. Yeah, it's one of those things where I was saying, I've been saying ever since I heard the forecast, go home, Mother Nature, you're drunk. <laughs> um, it's like going from shorts to snow, you know, in a couple more days, it'll be back to shorts. It's like, make up your mind. Yeah, we're uh, we're getting warmer weather. We had warmer than normal weather for a few days, and then boom, the winter hit back again. <laughs> it's uh, it's not fair, but it is uh, it's springtime in Indiana, and uh, we have to be prepared. What what is what's the old saying? If you don't like the weather in Indiana, wait ten minutes; it will change. Exactly, but the, exactly. But so. the, the snow lasted more than ten minutes. That's what got me aggravated. So, okay. But- it Good. melted quickly, and it wasn't on the streets very much. Yeah, well, that's it wasn't a big problem. It was just sad to see. It, it didn't cause anybody any major issues, and the streets were pretty clear. Let's move on to serious subjects. Uh, Duncan, you, as we've talked about many times, are a permanent member of the NTEU bargaining team as the national agreement is, is under renegotiation, as it does every so many years. And uh, I think it's four or five, but the pandemic also had an impact on that. So you've uh, continued your Zoom bargaining. So just what is it like? Uh, uh, instead of being in a human with human beings in a room, you're looking at a flat screen with uh, video feeds. Yeah, it is quite exciting, Larry. I must tell you, it's it's scintillating. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's a good word, scintillating. It, it's it's just one of those things where we're doing it due to the pandemic, of course. Um, you know, you can share your screen with people. So if we're talking about uh, particular items, you can see what's changed uh, as each side is walking through the other on their proposals. But there's there's just a lot lost when it's not face-to-face. Um, you know, there's the human interaction that helps solve a lot of things that I truly believe you lose, um, whether it's negotiations, whether it's training, whatever it is. Um, that if you don't have that, then it's it's not going to be as effective. So you've uh, you've you've just finished up uh, another week of bargaining. Now we had previously said you were going to be headed to D.C. in May uh, for the next round of bargaining. I understand that's uh, not necessarily so. Yeah, that's very much up in the air. Uh, management is saying that they are. Um, 
looking at essential travel and also the DC area travel orders. So we're going back and forth on that. But yeah, it looks like, unfortunately, the next uh, week or two, which are in May, both in May, uh, could be virtual as well, which just makes me want to take a long spike and drive it through my forehead. Yeah, well, you know, it is what it is, right? Because uh, uh, you had ground rules to start per- in person next month, but I guess uh, the management side is uh, a little concerned about, I guess they're concerned about uh, just about pandemic issues, is from what I understand. Yeah, let's just call it that and leave it alone. Okay. <laughs> All right. Uh, there may be more to it, but we won't discuss that part of it. You know something, Duncan, I... Uh, I, I, you and I both uh, spent many years working in toll-free, but I spent the last six years managing uh, taxpayer assistance centers. And, uh, you know, we if, if people start coming back into calls, we're not saying that'll happen, but if that were to happen to any great extent, uh, there's going to have to be some, some, some uh, adjustments made. And one of it is when will there be a need for plexiglass barriers? Apparently there's... Um, that is happening to some extent, but there's been some some pushback from the management on where plexiglass barriers should be. Could you get us up to date on that? Yeah, there are going to be in things like interview rooms, we'll have the plexiglass barriers. NTU National raised the point that once you start bringing people back, and they've already started doing this, uh, particularly the administrative staff that's going to be in there the entire time, uh, what about some uh, something for them, some plexiglass barriers, like a sneeze guard type thing? Uh, and IRS has pushed back and saying that they consider the plexiglass secondary. And as of right now, um, every you know the, they're already in the interview rooms, as I said, the tax, and they're saying that the masks and social distancing should be able to take care of uh, that concern. Of course, right now there's so few people in the office, but from what I'm hearing, that may change. Now, of course, we've talked about that in a previous podcast. We don't know uh, what's going to happen. The management seems to be saying they would like for more people to come into the office. Uh, but now that uh, the the toothpaste is out of the tube, people have been working out of their homes almost all the time now. Um, what do you think is going to happen in terms of people coming back, because this plexiglass issue will probably only become an issue if more people are actually working in office. I mean, that's the, the campuses, the service centers are a different item. We, we So we'll leave that aside for a moment. They've got their own special issues. But aside from that, um, do you think this will be an immediate issue, or, or will this be something that we need to settle now so that we know how to handle this down the line? Uh, I believe right now it's the latter. We're trying to get as much done up front as possible because we believe that once the directive goes out for folks to start coming back, it's going to be done in a very rapid fashion. And we would rather have things in place ready for when this comes back. And and when I say when it comes out, NTU is, is making the point at every level and pretty constantly that, you know what, this is working out pretty well. Folks uh, that want to work from their homes are being able to, they're being productive, things are getting done, phone calls are getting answered, taxpayers are getting assisted. So why should there be a rush 
to bring folks back in. So I think that there's going to be a lot of interesting discussions, and I think it'll probably also be broken down uh, within business units and sub-business units that there could be some very interesting uh, discussions back and forth. Well, there's a related issue to all this, and this is related to the pandemic as well. Uh, We talked about this earlier. There was an edict for people who are working in a call center. Some people have been going back to the call centers, like in Indianapolis, uh, to answer their calls, do their work inside the uh, regular office to which they are assigned. And uh, there was a controversy about whether or not people in that setting need to wear a mask. Uh, That has been, uh, as I understand it, elevated to the Treasury Department, but I think it's, it's, it's been a little slow going in getting an answer. Sort of give us an idea where that whole issue stands. Yeah, I know it's it's going to surprise anybody that listens that the IRS is not turning on a dime on an issue uh, and being extremely responsive because 14 different levels have to take a look at something. But what happened was when President Biden issued his executive orders, basically it was a blanket executive order for folks that are working in federal buildings to wear a mask, which is understandable if you don't have floor to ceiling walls. Well, That's fine, except for folks that are doing things like talking to taxpayers on the phone, which can make it extremely difficult for them to be understood. So IRS management has agreed with that, understood the issue and the problem, and has pushed up for an exception. So basically right now, it's at the final review stages at the IRS. Then it has to go to Treasury then Treasury's got to push it up to the White House for the executive order to be uh, tweaked, so to speak, or get exceptions for. So it's I'm, I'm fairly sure it's going to happen. How soon it's going to happen is anyone's guess. So at least for now, if you're working at an IRS call center, you've got to wear the mask. And even if you have a muffled voice, so be it. That's it exactly. The only exceptions are... Uh, they are being nice enough to let you do take your mask off when you're drinking or eating, which, you know, I think that's just darn nice of them. Well, if you uh, find a way but, to drink, eat, and talk at the same time, that would work, right? <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. That I mean, gets you put into the XD program. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> oh, you took that where I didn't expect it, Duncan, but I'll... I know. <laughs> it's just been one of those weeks. Oh, Lord. All right. If you don't understand what we're talking about, that's okay. Uh, (laughs) I want to talk about uh, something. One other thing on this, because I've been watching a lot of TV news, and there have been some reporters out in the field who have been like talking with their masks on and can be heard quite clearly. So there are obviously masks out there where you could talk very clearly and be understood, but I'm guessing it has to be a special kind of mask. So I am fairly certain IRS has not been buying those kind of masks for their employees. Uh, that would be absolutely 1,000% correct. I, I know exactly what you mean. Yeah, because you do, they are able to um, be understood much better. So you have to assume it is a special kind of mask. And we, we've gone with the angle that it's just much easier if folks are sitting in cubicles not to have to wear any mask at all, um, especially with the way vaccinations are going, rather than uh, having to get a special type of mask. 
Well, uh, moving on to another issue, I understand that uh, there was a um, call out for people to volunteer to help the Health and Human Services part of the government. Uh, but something happened there. Tell us what happened. Yeah, basically in early April, the IRS came out with something saying that they were going to solicit for volunteers um, it, it basically to help out HHS for those children at the at the border who are unaccompanied minors. Um, you know, NTU National shared it with us with the chapter of presidents. Um, you know, members were ready to step up and volunteer, and many did. Um, their requests then were denied, and we're like going, uh, what? Okay. And what's happened was that the IRS said, anybody who's in a position to support the filing season, no, you can't go. And then they said, no, we've also determined that we're going to not solicit at all for this detail um, because of the filing season. But they didn't tell National NTU any of this. Well, I mean, the, the real issue here is that the management went out and asked for these volunteers. It wasn't like this was uh, a small thing. They went out and said, would you like to volunteer? When people started volunteering, when they're routinely denied, okay, this is this a bait and switch or just what's going on here? And on top of all that, didn't even in, uh, uh, inform NTU, which is a contractual legal requirement, they didn't even fulfill that requirement. So just how serious was IRS about helping these people? That's my question. And that's that's an excellent question to ask and one that we're just not sure what the answer is. I, I, you know, I understand where the IRS is coming from, where, you know, right now after the uh, train wreck of a filing season that we had last year, not due to anything that IRS or employees did, just due to the pandemic and the circumstances around that, they're trying, they're saying, we want to try and make this filing season as smooth as possible. Okay. Um, but, you know, going out with this, making the decision, okay, this is going out among all government agencies. Well, okay, nope, we're going to hold up and say no after it's already gone out. There should have been a lot more uh, thought put into this if this was a possibility that they were going to uniformly reject people. Why in the heck would you want to send it out to begin with? Well, I mean, although filing season has been extended the last couple of years for a pandemic, we still know generally what time of year it comes, right? So it's not like, okay, it, that... every year. <laughs> As you and I both know all too well, every year it seems to be a surprise yeah. to certain levels of management. So I mean, uh, it, it, it could have been, you know, they could have told HHS, "Sorry, we have a filing season; we can't ask for volunteers." No, they went out and let it happen, and then just denied everybody. I mean, that's not the way you should be doing business, in my view. But that's well that's put. Just my view, okay, for what it's worth. Uh, I found this very interesting. This has received a lot of attention from the national media, and it's filtered down to all government agencies. You may remember that at the beginning of the pandemic last year, that there was a big outbreak of, of COVID at the Kansas City Service Center in the campus. Uh, they had to close down the entire campus at first because they didn't know what to do. Now they've got a different procedure where only a portion of a building or a building would be closed down for cleaning. Well, now we have some new guidelines for cleaning. They've come right from the CDC. And I, I guess what I would preface this with is that I have to give our science, scientific community, all the scientists who have been working on this credit, because this has been a learning experience as to how this 
COVID spreads. Every virus spreads a little differently, and there was no way of knowing early on just how important it was to clean. I think the scientific community, the scientists themselves who are expert in this, are changing some of the guidelines. So talk about how this is impacting IRS on cleaning guidelines when we have a, a case that's been identified. Yeah, you're exactly right, Larry. And this is evolving. I mean, as the pandemic goes on, our understanding of this particular uh, of the uh, several different strains of the coronavirus that are out there have evolved and we're learning more. And basically what the CDC guidance is now is that if someone has been has either tested positive or gotten sick from COVID-19, if they've not, if it's been more than three days since they were sick and in the building, they're not going to do any special cleaning for that particular area. It has been basically the rule of thumb has been a week. And now that's been reduced down to three days based on what they've been learning over these past several months. So, uh, yeah, there may be some changes in the cleaning protocol. You know, I think some people take this as uh, as saying that, uh, the scientists are changing their mind or they were wrong before. That's not true. They're adapting to knowledge as it becomes available to them. And there's a big difference between the two. So I think we just be, need to be aware of that. You know, Duncan, we've already mentioned this, I think, once or twice today about how all of us who work in the federal workforce, how we there's one, how should I put this, trait that we all have to have in order to survive. We all have to be patient. Well, guess what? <laughs> Uh, we are still being patient on waiting for the OPM guidance on leave uh, that is a lot in vaccine recovery time. People are getting their vaccines and uh, leave for the vaccine, the recovery time, plus the additional leave that is in the law, which was passed just a number of weeks ago. And OPM, the Office of Personnel Management, is uh, required by law to issue regulations so that this can be implemented. And I know you get questions like this every week, and I understand why from employees who are anxious to use this leave, they qualify under the law, but they can't claim it at this point because the regulations aren't final. So I guess we just have to continue to be patient. Yeah, when you say weekly, uh, between Gail Groves and myself, our chief steward, we're getting it at least daily. Um, People wanting to know about, you know, are they able to take this time because of their children's situation, or they're getting ready to have a COVID shot or their second COVID vaccination, and they want to know if they can, you know, if they have ill effects, are they going to be able to take time from this? And it's been about now six weeks since, you know, this law has passed. People have gotten, you know, their $1,400 checks, but we still can't get guidance from OPM basically because I think that OPM's a little bit rudderless right now with, uh, you know, acting folks at the head. We have not been able to get that guidance on, you know, how it's going to work. We keep being hearing it's going to be coming soon. It's any day. You know, we heard that a couple of weeks ago. So unfortunately, the only thing that we can do is to be patient. As soon as we get that guidance, it'll go out to the members. It'll go out on our Facebook page on NTU 49, Chapter 49, Indiana. Um, you know, we'll, we'll get it out there as soon as we get the guidance. Unfortunately, though, we, we do have to wait for the guidance. 
And the big $100,000 question is, will any of it be retroactive? And we don't know that either. Exactly. We, we, we would love to know that answer. Uh, but we just, we've not even gotten a glimmer of what OPM is going to be talking about at that time. So, you know, everybody who's, you know, emailed me, phoned me, sent me a Skype, I totally get your frustration and understand it. And we wish we had the answers to give you, but they're simply not out there yet. Yeah, and I, I don't, I don't know. I, I know that the uh, you said this before, and we need to say this again, that the union officials in Washington at the national level have been in contact with OPM on a regular basis, explaining how important it is that employees have this information. I think they get it. I the only. Uh, explanation I can think of is that they've looked at the statute and they've got some issues with uh, how regulation should be worded uh, based on the statute language. Uh, anybody who works in tax law know how that uh, can gum up the works in a, in a tax regulation. The, roughly the same sort of process goes when you're regu- issuing regulations and guidance on, on issues of federal employment. So once again, the main word is patience. We have to be patient, but we continue to push for those answers. Uh, we have a, a, a new nominee, someone who's been nominated by President uh, Biden to be the new uh, chief of the Office of Personnel Management. She's been testifying before congressional committees and has so far received very high marks as someone well qualified for the job who appears to understand the job. And, and OPM has lacked a, a good leadership uh, for the Trump administration, really didn't seem to pay much attention to OPM when, when he was in office. It was just his policy. I don't know how to pronounce her name. I think it's Karen Ahuja, A-H-U-J-A. I hope I pronounced that right. But uh, she's getting high marks so far uh, based on what I've read. What's your take on this? Please, God, let her speed her confirmation through so somebody can be in charge at OPM. Um, yeah, I've, I've seen the same things that you have. Um, she was chief of staff when Beth Colbert was over at OPM. From everything that I've seen and heard, she is very highly regarded. Uh, I think she would do a good job in looking out for employees' rights, which is always something that we like to see at OPM. So we're just hoping that this can be fast-tracked and that uh, they can get working on the issues, not just you know things like the pandemic regulations, but you know things like processing retirement uh, forms. That has been a boondoggle for many a year, and we're hoping that that sometime in the near future can be streamlined and the process shortened, at least for the vast majority who do not have a military service or uh, break in service, things of those nature. So, uh, so having somebody that is capable and understands employees' issues is very key at OPM, and we believe that she fits this bill. And so, we, as you say, uh, this may be uh, one reason that the OPM is taking so long to issue these regulations. They don't have leadership. And if there was somebody who's uh, Senate confirmed at the top, perhaps that would take less time. We don't know that for sure, but sure wouldn't, sure wouldn't hurt, would it? Exactly. That's it. I mean, and, you know, the folks at OPM, I'm sure, are doing the best they can. I don't mean to slam them, but right now they've got to have almost a siege mentality with these pandemic regulations 
because I can flat guarantee you that NTU and every other union organization that represents federal employees is pounding on their door figuratively and literally wanting to know where in the heck this guidance is. Well, you know, I, I want to end this with just a few general comments from you because uh, we've been dealing with this pandemic for over a year. And uh, I will give just for, and again, I don't work for the agency retired. I'm watching it from afar, hearing what you're telling me and following things as best I can, you know, with uh, some of the websites of, that follow federal employee issues. And I just get the impression that management is trying most of them to, to try to do the right thing and get through this pandemic. What has so impressed me is the resilience of the people who work at IRS. Now, for some people, working at home is fine. For others, it's a real challenge. But either way, you know, they're finding ways to get their work done. And to me, as somebody who used to work for the agency and, and is looking at it as an outsider, as a retiree, I am just amazed at the resilience of the workforce at the IRS. It's absolutely astounding. I am so proud of each and every employee that I work with. Because you're right, management, for the most part, is trying to do the right things. They're trying to get the work done, getting the employees what they can, the tools that they can uh, to do that. You know, one of the things that you know we've talked about is things as simple as printer scanners, having workable printer scanners for folks at home. You know, we're, we're continually pushing on those issues. But folks are finding workarounds for things that you never would have figured that they would be able to overcome. Um, and I, I truly believe that this workforce is just amazing in what they've been able to do in this pandemic once they've been given the equipment and the ability to do it, you know, they, you know, phone employees couldn't work from uh, telework. TAS employees couldn't work from telework. Well, lo and behold, you give them the tools and the, uh, that they need, they're able to do it just fine. So, you know, we're, and, and they want to, you know, bust their butt. The well, federal yeah. employee doesn't work for the government, for, you know, the, the their enrichment for most part. They want to do a good job for the American taxpayer. They want to be there. They want to help people. And so I, I just applaud everybody that is busting their butt to do just that. But, you know, Duncan, I, I have to say this. I know one person who is working uh, just a few days a week out of the office. If people do start coming back to the office, uh, are they going to face how to get their copiers repaired? Yeah, we're still waiting on that one. It's uh, <laughs> between the uh, between the end of one copier contract and the uh, implementation of the other one, which I believe should be next month. So maybe the copier nightmare will finally be over. Um, but yeah, it's it's going to be there are going to be issues, and that's one of the things too. When people start coming back in, it's not going to restart on a dime. There, you know, some people high up have the expectation that, you know, well, we'll get all these people in and we'll get this hiring and everything will be great. And no, it's not going to be easy. You're going to have a certain amount of the population who are going, why am I not able to work from home more? Why do I have to come in here? I was doing fine doing the job from my home. 
and uh, getting it done everything that was asked of me and everything that was needed. And that is an extremely valid concern that NTU has been and will continue to be pressing. We're just about out of time, so it's once again uh, time for any last comment you want to make, Duncan. This is your chance. I, I Again, I just want to say to all the employees how much I appreciate them. I also want to take a moment uh, to reflect on the trial in Minneapolis. Um, I just want to say that we have to do things the right way. Anybody that's in any sort of authority, be it a manager, be it a police officer, anyway, you have to do things in the right way. And when you don't, especially when it costs someone their life, there has to be accountability. And I am just glad to see when accountability happens for, for circumstances that should have been prevented. Well said. And, um, yeah, we, we live in, a, in, in, in times where we all have to reflect on the developments that happen, what they mean, and how we go forward, and that's, that's all I'll say on that. And with that, I will once again thank you for listening to the Chapter 49 podcast for April 23rd, 2021. You just heard Duncan Giles, Chapter President for Chapter 49 of NTEU out of Indiana. My name is Larry Lannon, retiree and a communications volunteer with the local Chapter 49. So again, if you if this is a podcast where you enjoy listening and think there might be others, let them know. And uh, we appreciate uh, everything that uh, the comments that we've received. By the way, if you are listening to us, for instance, on iTunes or a few of the other uh platforms, feel free to make a comment or just rate our podcast. We always appreciate that. So once again, uh, we would like all of you to remember this. Please be safe and be kind.